that doctor in the operating room, she looked right at me. She didn't see you, Seth. She can't see you. No one can see you unless you want them to. And if I want her to. Okay, Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies and specifically talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 179, and it's still Cage of Palooza 2022, our fourth annual Cage, Nicholas Cage Fest. Can't believe this. I'm on the fourth year of this already. Um, joining me to talk about our movie this week is Kit London. Kit, how are you? Fabulous. How are you? I am doing quite well. Now, you brought a movie that you have seen before. Yes. And you liked quite a bit. I had not, and it's 1998's City of Angels, starring Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. And it is, uh, well, let's get into it. It's a movie about angels um, set in Los Angeles. It is about an angel who falls in love with a doctor. And decides to give up his angelness to be with her. Uh, uh, kind of got that right? Yes. Now, I did not know going into it that this was a remake um, of a film. And uh, and I found out afterwards this is a remake of a German film um, called Wings of Desire. came out in 1987. And uh, a, roughly the same storyline. Uh, I think this one's probably modified it a little bit. But I was, I was very intrigued when you brought this one up because I remember this movie coming out. I remember the marketing around this movie. And, uh, and the soundtrack especially was something we'll, we'll get yep. into a lot more. But that was about all I knew um, really about it. So... Uh, it was interesting getting into it. Give me your background, your history with this movie first. Uh, I saw it when it came out, actually, in okay. the theaters. And with just the music. And I love Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage was awesome. And it, I like the ideas and theories behind everything of like, what would you do for someone you love? Would you fall? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, would you risk everything to be with them? So I, I was intrigued by the love story and how they they mention God, but not really, you know, they kind of, how they play with that. I, it was just intriguing, and I liked that they, they sit high up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because it's angels. They're clearly angels, but they don't really mention God at all. It's kind of almost like a New Agey angels in a way. Um, in fact, I think the term angel is only said like once or twice in the, in the entire movie. Yeah, um, they, he says he's a messenger. Messengers use more of a messenger of God. Yeah, and and I know that the Greek word for messenger was angelos, which is where we kind of got angel from. Mm -hmm. um, I did know that, so I thought that was kind of cool that he mentions he's a messenger. The character of Nick uh, of Nathaniel Messenger, um, mm -hmm. which I want to get into him because he was awesome. Um, <laughs> But but first, I, I want to start with, so our leads are Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. Now, this Meg Ryan in 1998 was was like everywhere in terms of any kind of romantic movie, especially romantic comedies. I think, had you got mail come out by now? Uh, I think, I think it got came mail. out around the same time. Because it was like, you've got mail, sleepless in Seattle. Um, like if it was a romantic comedy, she was in it. Um, let's see. Yeah, City of Angels. Oh, same year. You've got mail. It was 1998. Yep. Okay. Um, so she was big for that. This isn't a romantic comedy, but it's still like right up her alley in terms of the types of movies that she was doing. Nicolas Cage, on the other hand, while he did mm -hmm. um, different stuff, this was right in his like action movie phase because he had yes, done... After The Rock. Yeah, like 95, he did Leaving Las Vegas and won his uh, Oscar. Uh, for that movie. And then 96 was The Rock. 97 was Con Air and Face Off. In 98, he'd made uh, and had Snake Eyes come out. And City of Angels was nestled right in between that. So 
that was part of why I didn't see this in theaters was number one, it didn't, the marketing didn't look like a movie for me, but also I'm like, wow, I just saw the rock con air face off. And now I like, I'm almost caged out at this point. Like it's three movies in two years. This one doesn't look like any of those. This doesn't look like something I'm going to like. So I kind of skipped it. Um, and then I just never came back to it. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So, so when this movie came out and you saw it, you saw it in theaters, did you like it right away? I, I liked it, but the ending pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to, we're definitely going to be touching on, uh, on that and kind of the structure of this movie as a whole is very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, have you kind of grown to not hate the ending as much over time or do you still, does it still bug you? Um, actually this watching, it didn't bother me cause I actually found, um, a behind the scenes, okay. uh, from like the DVD on like YouTube. And when they were explaining it, I'm like, okay, they explained to me why it still <laughs> frustrates me, but at least I got an answer as to why they decided to do that. Yeah. Um, let, we might as well just say it. So, so Nick Cage is an angel and, but they're not, um, they're not angels in the, in the classic sense with wings and halos and harps and any of that. They're all, all of the angels. And there's a lot of angels in this movie, um, which was not something I expected for some reason. I had it in my head that there was like, this was more like, um, what was the movie with Travolta? Michael, where there's like one angel. Oh, right. You know, like, because movies like that had been out where they dealt with angels, but it was always like one or two of them. And this was like, nah, there's just like, this place is just lousy with angels. Like, they call it the City of Angels for a reason, apparently, in this movie universe, because they're just angels on every building, on every corner, all over the, and, and they're all dressed exactly the same. Dark black or dark brown shirts and long coats and dark pants. Yeah, the costume designer said that they wanted them to be more of um, that they're in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and so you've got all these angels everywhere. Uh, the main one that we follow is uh, Seth, played by Nicolas Cage, um, and then we also have Cassiel, who's played by Andre Brower, who I love. I love Andre. Brower. Yeah, he was great, and yeah. he's so good in this. And there's a ton of other unnamed angels. We don't. I don't even think any of them have dialogue. Um, but they're just everywhere. Now, angels are, humans can't see them, um, unless they want to be seen. Uh, although it looks like either, uh, they like to have children see them or children are just able to, I'm not exactly sure. They're sort of, they don't, they don't go into, this isn't a movie that's like, here are the rules to being an angel. You know, you don't get that. Um, which I appreciate to be honest. Uh, I kind of like the, the sort of metaphysical and like, like ethereal nature of everything and sort of hand waving it away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they, they can, did you get a sense that they influenced people? Uh, no, not really. It, they don't really, they offer, um, compassion and comfort according to the director and the script that they wanted. They don't really intervene. They just, comfort us and our presence but they don't they okay. don't interfere with anything because it was i was curious how that would play out because i didn't i couldn't quite tell them like are they is there some sort of influence going on or is it just but the way you put it is probably um a better way they they calm people and let them sort of understand the posi- mm-hmm. the spot that they're in and what they should be doing at that moment um so i liked that uh but they and they're there to observe, which is odd. Yeah. <laughs> well, and some might say creepy, uh, which I have thoughts on. I want to go into because there, there's some interesting ways to interpret parts of this movie. But um, he he basically Meg Ryan is a tr- uh, a heart surgeon, and um, she has an instance where uh, her patient dies on the table. And she starts kind of questioning things that are going on. Um, but it, it's weird because it's like the movie is simultaneously super on the nose, but not like overt in some ways too. Because she's questioning sort of mm-hmm. questioning like, well, what, what am I doing as a doctor if I don't have control over these situations? I did everything right and he still died. Um, there's that line where she's talking to uh, her, the other doctor um, who's her boyfriend that we find out. 
played by Colin Fiore. Um, yeah, Jordan. Yeah, Jordan, where she says, you know, we fight, but do you ever think about who we're fighting against? And I thought that was a really interesting way to put that. Um, and Nicolas Cage, he's observing that because he is there. Seth is there to help the guy that was on the table cross over. Um, and he falls for Meg Ryan. He falls for, uh, what's her name, uh, Maggie. And then for the first like hour of the movie, almost hour and a half, is just him trying to figure out what feelings are because angels don't have feelings. They don't, they, they, they don't even really have a sense of touch from the way it sounds, or at least not the way that we do. Um, and so it's like an hour and a half of the movie is just him trying to figure this part out and like decide. Uh, he eventually does meet um, Nathaniel Messenger, who's another patient of Maggie's. Uh, played by Dennis Franz. He's my favorite character in the movie by by far. Like he is just. <laughs> yeah, I was watching this and I was like, "Oh, Travis is gonna love him." <laughs> there, there's something about like for one, I like Dennis Franz. I always have because he's just got like this mm -hmm. this thing about him that's just affable and fun, even when he's playing like a dick, like he was in uh, Die Hard Two, um, or how he could be sometimes on either Hill Street Blues or NYPD Blue. Like there's still just something. Oh right super likable about him and in this he is playing nathaniel messenger who we find out used to be an angel and became human and the moment where that reveal is made like the first part of that reveal when they're in the hospital room and you've got him he's laying there and uh seth kind of has his hand over his chest and then he, he turns around starts to walk away and this is very somber moment and all of a sudden uh messenger's just like I can't see you, but I know you're there. And you know, it's like Seth was like one foot out the door and just like, the, the hell? Yeah, <laughs> and, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we find out that he's a, he's a fallen angel. And this was one of the things that, that I really liked that this movie did was it used the term fallen angels or angels have to fall, but not in a negative way. Right. Like and it's that term is always, you know, for the it's Lucifer, uh, the morning star fell and became evil or most depictions of angels falling. They become bad guys. And in this case, it's not. It's just you you literally fall and become a human, um, which I thought was funny and very on the nose. Like you literally yeah. have to fall from a great height <laughs> to become a human. I, I love what Messenger tells him when um, Seth reveals himself and is talking and questioning things he's like tell me and nathaniel tells him like well he gave humans free will you don't think that applies to us yeah that was that was so cool the 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 ideas of free will that were going on in here and it's like yes they had the free will he just none of them know that that's a pot that's that's a choice it's not right. that they're not allowed to and i kind of liked that too there wasn't the rules of being an angel Right. Like even uh, when when he the clip that I played at the beginning, he uh, here's Cassiel and Seth and they're just in like a convenience store and they're talking and he's like, yeah, but she saw me. And he goes, no, 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 she didn't see you. They can't see you unless you let them. And the I the end of the clip that I played was, well, what if I wanted her to Cassiel's response to that is great because it's not a, that, that's not allowed or you can't do that. He's like, why would you want her to? Like, what possible reason could you have? He's just, he's like, he doesn't understand why you'd want to because the uh, the angels just don't feel things. Um, or most of them don't anyway. And uh, and I, it was just, it's cool to wrestle with that idea and then the, the whole free will thing. And like, here's Nathaniel Messenger. They go out to a diner and they're just like, he's ordering like three meals and it all shows up at the table. And he's like, how's the, how's the French toast tonight? Oh, it's very good. Why don't you bring some of that over too? And he's just introduces himself as a hedonist. Yep. He's just shoveling food in. Gluttonous, um, hedonist. <laughs> and and I loved where he he starts talking to him and he tells him like, I know you're an angel. And he he uh, what is it? Seth's Seth's response is like, There's no way you could know that. And he goes, Let me guess. You live in a library. You know all the languages of man. You move at the speed of thought, which was yep. cool that they did that and it was like it gave them a perfectly good reason to just have jump cuts of people disappearing or showing up places um moving at the speed of thought and he ends up learning that yes you can become human but you give up everything that's being an angel 
But for Nathaniel Messenger, it was 100% worth it. He doesn't regret doing it at all. And it kind of convinces Seth that it's the, the thing to do. Meanwhile, um, he still hasn't told uh, Maggie what he is, but he's revealed himself to her. And she, like, that. so if I have a problem with the movie... It is that the love story angle of things is interesting, but almost feels like it moves too quickly. If if a that bit, makes any yeah. sense. Like she goes from not knowing who he is to she just runs into him in the hallway. And what what could play as a very awkward and or creepy scene in a different movie, that whole that first interaction in the hallway. Um which actually is something I I, I gotta get this out before I forget about it mm-hmm. is Go with me on this for a second. If you change the music in this movie and add in a few extra sound effects, it goes from a fantasy romance film to some kind of psychological horror really yeah. quickly. Because <laughs> it is... Definitely. It is shot like a horror movie. Um, and, and I can see that. Like that fascinated me. I want to talk about that more uh, in a bit, but I still I still want to get through the kind of the story and some of the actors. Um, so remind me of that because I don't want to forget that part. Um, but he, like the the interaction with him and Meg Ryan, I thought that they had good chemistry in their scenes together. Like their scenes Definitely. worked. Um, I heard recently Nicolas Cage described and and. I want to get your take on this because I thought this was a fascinating way to put it is Nicolas Cage is not your um, traditionally beautiful yes! person in the way that uh, that a lot of actors are considered to be, you know, um, traditionally beautiful. But there's an attractiveness to him because of like an intensity that he brings to scenes mm, and, and his eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of got that from this movie because it's a very restrained performance out of cage. Uh, there wasn't, we, we started on a cage freak out, but it never, it never got beyond like a four on the cage scale. I was waiting um, for it. I was like, okay, where's the angry cage moment? <laughs> yeah. Where, where's that moment where he goes nuts. And it, like the closest we got was his, his rant about the computer and looking someone up. And then he immediately like it, the scene shifts so, which is nice. I like seeing that because I love the, I love the cage. I love a good cage freakout. I really do. Like they're just oh, he, no one does it like him. But it would have felt really out of place in this. Like they towed the line of what was going to be sort of allowable. I'm using in air quotes um, out of Nick Cage in this, uh-huh. and and I liked that. Um, but yeah, so he he finds out that he can fall. But meanwhile, like. Mag, Ma, uh, Maggie is struggling with kind of questioning herself at her job as well as sort of her relationship with Jordan, which also was weirdly handled, right? Because like, there's nothing wrong with Jordan at all. He's no. a, seems like a pretty decent guy. He's, he's got her back. He's a doctor. He's mm-hmm. got his head on straight um, and all that. And they're just like, is no spark, I guess with them. Yeah. It seemed to me like it was, a very intellectual relationship of it. You know what I mean? To people that they don't really believe in God, you know, but they're very good doctors. Their heads in science are just very intellectual. So it wasn't really overly romantic, but he does pick up her hand and kiss her hand. And he does support her when she loses her patient. He said, you know, Hey, I saw this, you did everything Mm -hmm. right, but it sounds cold to us because it's very not heartfelt but hit but his mind was there you know trying to support her intellectually telling her you did everything right that was not your fault yeah it's it's an interesting relationship because there's certainly he's not a bad person he's not your tropey stereotypical like boyfriend that uh that treats her poorly or anything like that oh no no um which is nice, but at the same time, it's like he sort of becomes uh, forgotten in the last act of the movie where they literally hand wave it away. Like he, he proposes to her at one point in this movie in what is possibly the most awkward proposal in a film <laughs> yes. that isn't, especially, <laughs> especially when it's not trying to be. Like it's not a comedy 
where the proposal is supposed to be awkward. This is like he's trying really hard to be this heartfelt proposal. And I'm watching this and I'm just like, oh, this is a train wreck. And this is just getting worse as it goes. Um, and and then that's it. That's the last time we see him, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. is he proposes and then uh, wants to take her up to Tahoe, to her uncle's cabin. Um, and when, after Nicolas Cage becomes a human... Um, so he he changes from angel to human. He finds out that she went up to Tahoe to her uncle's cabin. And when he gets up there, she's alone. So she like broke it off with Jordan even after the confrontation between her and Seth. So it was very yeah, it, weird. That that like the timelines of that and sort of it just felt awkward to me, but go ahead. Well, she talks to Messenger and I, I think she made a house call, but I think she really went to talk to him. Yeah, um, that's, that's definitely because, how that felt. Because they come off with that they're friends. Because when even when she's doing surgery on a messenger, she's replacing a heart valve. She's like, you can't dial me, not before you give me Seth's number. Yeah. So she goes to talk to him. And that's when he tells her that he can fall, that he can give up everything, immortality, his entire existence for her. And I think she goes to break it off because she doesn't feel that she's worthy. That she doesn't want him to do that. But in a nice in a nice way that she, like, I'm not worthy. Please don't. I'm not worth to give up forever. Yeah, it was it was a very. Like, it felt like there were things in this movie that could have uh, been accomplished with, like, a conversation and them talking. But at the same time, how do you start that right. conversation? Like, if you're Nick, <laughs> exactly. if, if you're Seth, how do you start that? Because you're like, hey, I'm an angel. How are you? Uh, I can't feel anything. And, like, there's a, a very weird, interesting scene where they're kind of standoffish while they're making food. Um, and it's our, it's our scene with... Uh, and again... Uh, could be played very differently but um like it ends with her getting very upset and slapping him because of this this whole idea that he's starting to kind of tell her what's going on with him well he he there he's cutting a head of lettuce yeah (laughs) and she sees the knife go through his thumb but he's not cut and she's just like i'm sorry what (laughs) and she actually takes his hand takes a knife and puts it in the middle of his palm and runs it down his hand and it goes right through. Yeah. And she was, and he's trying to play it off like he's cut and she's not, you know, she grabs his hand and sees that it's not cut. And she goes, I felt it. It went through you. He goes, I don't feel things the way you do. Yeah. Which isn't and, the first time he said that. she's freaking out. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then she starts to freak out and, and kind of runs away. But it's it, like, it's the it's the awkward nature of him in his angel form that both makes this movie work and is like, okay, I understand why some people don't like it because I think Cage's mm-hmm. performance is really good. I think what he was going for mm-hmm. and kind of the way that he acted without... See, he doesn't really raise his voice a whole lot. He's very... The whole movie is very quiet. Uh, I should say that. I spent most of it with my headphones on like, eh, back that up again. I need to listen to that one more time because... Mm. Like both him and Meg Ryan are very quiet, but he's he's like awkward and he doesn't know the right words to use for things. Um, but he's also like fascinated by humans, and so he's very curious. It made me think of like a curious cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was a different take on doing? angels, right? Because I've seen like curious angels before, but you know when I think of like angels curious about human stuff. Uh, like the first thing that comes to mind is the way that uh, Kevin Smith wrote them, which is a very Kevin Smith type of character. And this is like the opposite end of that. This is angels that are very curious, or at least Seth is very curious about humans, but like in this very subdued and very quiet way. And so that can come off as very weird um, and almost uh, creepy too, right? Because like, again, he's so, he's like serial killer calm all the time. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing. So he ends up giving up everything for her. Uh, they get together. And then the thing that you hated when you saw it in the theaters. And I 
I think I had been told or somebody had spoiled it for me at some point in my, in my life. And then I didn't, I just forgot about it. So when it got to, uh, the moment of them having their, their sex scene, right their their scene where they, they finally get together. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, I realized, Oh, there's still like almost a half hour of this movie left. Oh boy. What's what, what is going to happen? Which one of them is going to die? Um, was, was actually what I thought. And, then they have like the mor- the next morning and they're sitting there and they're all lovey-dovey and she's mentioning how uh, they have their whole life to together to, to do things. I'm like, oh, okay, so she dies. Huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then like the movie's not subtle about it, right? Because like the, the, for the rest of her time on screen is her like look, you know, face up in the wind riding her bike with no hands on a, on a country road. I'm just like, wow, you just, you just hammering that home. Like she is loving life right now, which means she's about to die. Um, I do give them credit for having the death happen off screen. Um, like her actually hitting the truck. Cause I don't, I don't know that having the actual accident happen on screen suit suits this movie or serves any purpose in it. Um, it was more important because he's sitting there. She had um, lunch all made up yeah, um, with all different foods and that because she wants to, in them getting to know each other, he's asking her, what does that taste like? What does this feel like? Um, you know, asking her all these inquisitive questions and they were talking about pears and she's like, oh, I think, you know, she looks and makes a fruit salad and's like, oh, I want to get him a pear because she now knows and she wants to show him everything. So she goes to get a pear and she's on a bike. Um, so what he, but he's in the shower when he comes out, there's a candle and when she hits the truck, it's him sitting there and the candle goes out. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a very powerful moment more than like you said, seeing her hit, hit the truck. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like this movie is already going to get slammed by the, the type of person that doesn't like this movie anyway. Um, but I, and I think that having the actual, like, her slamming into the side of that truck while on her bike type thing or the, the truck hitting her or something like that would have, mm-hmm. all it would have done in the theater was made people laugh. Um, Cause I think about uh, a movie like, did you ever see meet Joe black? Yes. I love that movie. So that movie has a very similar scene, right? With Brad Pitt and um, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen that 25 year old movie. Uh <laughs> But it that, also happens in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that's a scene that for a lot of people, the first time they saw it, almost gets a laugh out of them because it just comes out of nowhere and it doesn't fit the tone, right, of what's going on. And I feel like that's what would have happened mm-hmm. if they'd had shown the actual accident. So I like the kind of more artsy version of the candle blowing out. Um, by the way, uh, I'm going to mention this before I forget too. Um, this movie's rated PG-13. Uh, and for the most part, it is that, except for I was very surprised by the first surgery scene with her patient that dies, how long that went. That was a much longer scene in that operating room than I was prepared for. Um, and we see her like, you know, hand massaging the heart, trying to get it to start back up. Uh, but then um, that's not the thing that would make it not be PG-13. The, the thing that surprised me was there is, and look, I'm not ashamed to say this. Um, if you, if you pay close attention to the scene in the morning after, uh, after they have their thing and Nick Cage, Seth is taking a shower for the first time ever. We see some cage ween. Yeah. I, I actually was, uh, <laughs> I actually went, went, wait, what? <laughs> Did on. I see what I Back think I saw? Up. Yeah. Uh, it definitely, he's, he is there. He is not wearing anything, taking that shower and it's, it's like a silhouette, but it's still it, there. I mean, if you blink, if you blink, you miss it. Uh-huh. Uh, I never noticed it before. Like I knew you got a nice butt shot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you, you, you get some full frontal Nick. You, you see Nicholas and his cage Ooh. is all I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, um, the the performances which, oh go ahead oh i was gonna say which like i never really thought of it like you were talking about as a typical handsome romantic type but i was like well they made him look really good in the movie like he was well, very you know muscular and he, yeah he looked good 
Oh, this was definitely, like I said, this was in that uh, that stretch where he was doing The Rock and then Con Air and Face Off. And I remember in Con Air remarking that he was in real good shape when he made Con mm-hmm. Air. And that carried over into this movie. He was in really good shape making this movie. There's a scene where he's, when he's done in the shower and it's mirroring shots of Maggie riding her bike, um, no-handed with her arms outstretched, just like feeling the wind and, and you know, loving life. And there's Seth standing with his arms outstretched from behind. We're seeing him from the waist up and like he's in really good mm-hmm. shape. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, the performances overall in the movie. I thought that uh, Cage was um, very restrained, but he also like he brought across a lot of emotion for an emotionless character throughout most of the movie. And then, yeah, there's some silly moments. The moment when he wakes up after becoming human is great. Uh, by the way, did you catch the super, super quick cameo in that scene where when he wakes up on the construction site? Mm-mm. Nick Offerman is one of the construction workers. And, uh, and that cracked me up. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Ron, Ron, the character of Ron Swanson from, uh, is it uh, Community? Either way, like he's a comedian and an actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but it was him for like two seconds. He he lit, he's the guy that asked him, "Is it red?" I was like, that's, oh. <laughs> "Holy crap!" That, that's the best part because they think he's on some crazy amount of drugs. They're like, "What color was the drugs you took this morning?" <laughs> yeah. Like, what is? Um, when I was doing the behind the scenes, um, actually, Nick Cage said playing an angel. The angel was frustrating to him because they can't touch they don't know emotion and nick cage is very emotional yes um and he was afraid that they were going to come off very robotic so there's actually a scene with him kind of pushing back on the director like can i add something like let me do something (laughs) um like more with more feeling more emotion type so i got the kind of knowing that like i did get the feeling that it's not just seth being set free it's nick cage being set free that i can now do what i want i can feel yeah there's definitely a bit of that uh he gets to stretch a little bit but but even when he's doing you know when he's very restrained there's something to it's that intensity right it's the eyes Mm -hmm. and there's an intensity that he brings to all these scenes and then he would flip that over into this like childlike wonderment um when he runs into her at the library for the first time and he makes himself uh, visible to her and he's like, hey, fancy meeting you here. And she's like, weird seeing you here. And his response is like, but weird, weird is good. And just like there's there's something like just childlike about him in that moment, too. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, then once he becomes human, he gets to have a little more fun when he's when he's walking down the street, that street in L.A. He's that's completely. Skipping. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> skipping, singing the song from the, the Nutty Professor. And uh, that old black magic. And he's just like, yeah. okay, yep, he's having some fun here. Um, it was really good. Like I mentioned, uh, Meg Ryan, uh, I thought was very good in this. Um, oh, yeah. She she also tends to bring a lot of emotion uh, with just her face. Um, she doesn't need a lot of words to get it across, which was impressive. Um, and I always like seeing that. And, uh, and of course, Andre Brower. I already talked about how much I like him, but he's he's great, and he has he has my single favorite moment in the movie, and that's right at the end when he's watching. Uh, so so after Maggie dies, um, we see Seth obviously having come to grips with that. There's a very emotional speech he gives um, where Cassiel uh, comes to him and is like, you know, if you knew. Uh, and and I liked so that whole scene right there with with him, Cassiel and Seth are the two angels that interact the most with each other. And They're friends, I would think. Yeah, it, it, there's there's a friendship there. Um, I loved all their interactions overall, but there was something really great about that last scene because it's like Cassiel's as close to understanding what he's going through as any angel would be, and he asks him. Um, first, Seth is upset, and he's like, "Am I being punished?" Uh, the idea being that if he fell and became human, he get punished. And I love Cassiel immediately responds with like, you know that, that that's not how it works. He goes, you know, you know better than that. Yeah, 
And I loved that. I liked how there was never this... Uh, you could have easily had some kind of antagonistic thing going on when he starts, like when Seth starts to talk about, well, what would it be like to be human or to fall or all this and have Cass- have Cassiel be like, ah, it's against the rules. You can't do that. You know, you know, angels have their purpose, blah, blah, blah. He's mm-hmm. just like, no, it sounds pretty cool. Like he's, he's all, yeah, he's think, all for it. I, I wanted to ask you that at the end, I think Cassiel is on the border of doing it himself. He's definitely if he finds something. Yeah. Like oh, he's open minded to that if he finds someone or some reason or something worthy of him falling, I think he's open to the idea. Yeah. Yeah, because because he gets to see Seth after so after Maggie's death and the how upset he is and they have this conversation and and Cassiel asks him, "Would you change anything knowing now knowing what you know now?" And for Seth to respond with the line he did, which is, if I could just have one touch, one smell of her hair, one kiss of her mouth, one touch of her, of her hand, you know, I'd give it all up for one, just one. And like, I think that really resonated with Cassiel because he has that moment. And then after that, we see him, uh, go to the beach where, and I thought that was really cool how all the angels go to the beach for the sunrise and the sunset and listen to it because they can hear music in it. Um, and and the fact that Seth goes back there, takes his shoes off to feel the waves, and then just dives into the ocean. And Cassiel's watching all that. And that was the moment, my favorite moment, is just Andre Brower with that, that grin, that smile is getting bigger and bigger until it's just this belly laugh as he's watching him swim yeah. in the ocean. I love that. That was such a great way to finish things. Right, and and Seth does that because um, Nathaniel Messenger, like after the diner when he's explaining everything, um, he's a body wave surfer. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes Seth body waving, but he because he's like, I can't hear that, but you can't feel this. That that moment made me laugh so much <laughs> because Seth he he asks Seth mm-hmm. if the angels still watch the sunrise and the sunset, and he says mm-hmm. yes, and they go there and they're standing there and all the angels are watching. And, and and you see you see Nathaniel standing there, and Seth asks him, "Can you hear that still?" And there's like this moment. He goes, "No, I can't." And it's just like really heartfelt moment. And then all of a sudden, you hear, "I can't. I may maybe I can't hear that, but you can't feel this." And you cut over, and here's Dennis Franz running down the beach naked, stripping yep. his clothes off and diving into the ocean. <laughs> and I was just like, "That's." That's just brilliant. I love that so much. It just, I just could not help but laugh. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Um, Dennis France and Andre Brower are what really like Cage and uh, Nick Cage and Meg Ryan are good, and I like both of their performances. But what mm-hmm. made this a movie that I really enjoyed were those secondary performances: Andre Brower, Dennis France, Calm Fior. Um, I actually, I liked him in this. I kind of wish that there had been more, but I also sort of like that they didn't go in that tropey direction because the structure of this movie is interesting to me. Uh, almost more than, well, actually for me, more than the story is sort of how it was put together. It's a two hour long movie, which I wasn't actually anticipating. I thought this was going to be like hour, half hour, 40 minutes. Um, but it's a two-hour movie, and it's like an hour and a half of it is the setup for him to fall and then become human and then all of that stuff. And I feel like that's so different from what you would expect a movie like this to do, especially in the 90s where you would almost feel like that would happen within the first half hour. And then we'd have like that hour, hour and a half left of the awkward him becoming a human and dealing with human life and like they didn't do that. They didn't have any sort of, there's, there's no scenes with him and, um, with Seth and, uh, and, um, Jordan together, you know, so they didn't do that whole, like the new boyfriend and the old boyfriend butting heads type stuff that you see in a lot of romantic comedies or even just romance films in general. Um, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated because there was no need to. Uh, and I feel like it wouldn't have, it would have been, it would have been drama that I don't feel would be necessary for the story that they're telling when it deals with free will and this idea of what they, the angels go through. So I'm glad they didn't go that route, but it surprised me because I wasn't expecting the movie to do that. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be an hour and a half before he became human. When they started giving <laughs> that idea, I thought, oh, this is going to be like the next thing he does. So 
that was interesting. Um, obviously, killing Maggie at the end of the movie was uh, an interesting choice. <laughs> well, I, I I knew it was going to happen. I still cried. Well, yeah, because years earlier, <laughs> because and and I get that because like she's she's going through all this stuff in her life. She meets this guy. She starts to fall for him. He gives up everything to be with her. She's super happy about that. And then to take her away uh, like that. And and it could be looked at as like Seth is being punished. But he isn't. It's just like that's life. That can happen. Because look at what happened for Messenger. Messenger got 30 years and a wife and kids and grandkids and all this kind of stuff. Like he got this mm-hmm. long, full life with who he fell for. Um, and for Seth that all went away like the whole but reason or the... I did like too. Oh, yep. sorry. I did like too. after um, Maggie died, he goes to messenger. And I think that before Cassiel comes, like, I think there is a gap of time because I think Nathaniel messenger helps him like get a job and all that. Cause he knows, cause he mm-hmm. said the same thing. He goes, I have no ID. I have no background. I have no birth certificate. Like, I didn't exist until now, you know, and I think he helped. I, they, they do truly become friends. Oh yeah. You know, and he, I, I like that he goes to him and is able, he has somebody to go to, to that truly understands everything. And sure. he's able to help him. Oh yeah. That, he's that was... not just left alone. Yeah. Which is good. Um, because it, it very, like it's a downer of an ending in a way to have that happen to him to to lose mm-hmm. Maggie that way. So so it is it is very uh heartbreaking for that to happen, but it's also heartwarming that at least he's got a friend here. Mm-hmm. And and he can go through that. So, I have a question for you. In terms of angels in movies, um how do you feel like this one stacks up to a lot of other depictions of angels in movies? And while, I'll let you think about that for a second. While you, while you do, like, I I enjoy this because it's a very different style of angel, um, especially given the context when it came mm-hmm. out. I don't feel like angels were depicted uh, a lot in, in this way. What this really made me want to do is find um, Wings of Desire and watch that, uh, the movie that this is based on, because I'm very curious to see the differences in the translation from a German film to this. Um, because this is definitely more Hollywood looking. It's not, I, I watched a couple minutes of the opening of Wings of Desire and it's a, it's a much more low budget film, um, which I expected, but, um, I loved the idea that like the angels are just everywhere. They're just there. They're all over the place. There's like almost one per person, uh, which I thought was really cool. There's no, there's no like set, like they all wear the same clothing, but there's no set look. You got tall, short, just, just of all shapes and sizes floating around. Mm-hmm. They just sort of show up at places. Uh, they live in like library, but uh, I also like that they all, they're always up high. They're always sitting up high on things. And that was a great moment with uh, messenger when he's like, I had no idea. I had no, no skills, no nothing, but I could, I could stand being up high. And so mm-hmm. I got work on construction on skyscrapers. And it kind of felt like being back home. And I thought that was a cool line. Uh, funny thing about that is that scene where the two of them are sitting on top of the scaffolding. Um, it wasn't on an actual skyscraper, but they definitely shot it with like a forced perspective and all that. But apparently Nick Cage and Dennis Franz are afraid of heights. So <laughs> to have to have him have that line of like being up high feels like back home. I just I got a kick out of that. Yeah, um, actually, I the behind the scenes, they actually built that on top of a building okay um they actually built scaffolding um so they're oh, really dang. sitting up there oh, wow. and uh yeah nick cage was freaking out <laughs> up there and he couldn't do his lines and he told the director he goes listen you get up there and sit up there for 10 minutes and tell me if you can do those lines and the director really did it <laughs> he went up they went up there him and the producer they went up there and sat and, and uh, got through it, so Nick was like, "All right, I guess I'll do it." Yeah, you, you um, know, put your money but, where your mouth is, Nick. Yeah, but I, him and the director had funny thing. But yeah, they really they um 
which is one of my things, my movie mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're sitting in the diner and he's just in his um, hospital gown. Oh, right. But because they have like the safety equipment, when you see them sitting there, um, Nathaniel Messenger has a robe. And of course, Nick Cage has his coat. Yeah. So you can't see the safety equipment. And even when they get to the beach, he still has a robe, but he didn't have that robe in the diner. So where did it come from? I mean, Cage can move. <laughs> Seth can move at the speed of thought. He ran to the store and grabbed him. He ran to the store and got it. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll let that one slide. But yeah, you're right. That yeah, makes it just sense. was a funny. It just was a funny thing I caught today. I'm like, oh, okay. Robe magically appeared. <laughs> didn't didn't even think about that because you're right. He mentions that he's in the hospital gown in the hospital. Then they're in the diner and that, then they're on the rooftop and somewhere between there he got a robe. So I didn't mm-hmm. even like pay attention to that. That's awesome. Um. Yeah, I just I just liked the idea. Now, I want to get your take on the angels in this, and then then I want to definitely want to talk about the way this was shot. So so like, did did you like this version of angels? Was this interesting? I did, I did, because they also um, hear your thoughts. Yeah, and and they're more of just observing us, and they're not really there to uh, interact or interject themselves and they're just there to be comforting and yes when someone passes away they they come and take the the person to they take them home is what he tells the little girl in the beginnings like that was like i forgot about that that was rough i was like yeah talk about starting your movie (laughs) off with a gut punch like they start the movie off with a little girl passing away from being sick Mm -hmm. and like there's seth there to help her um, although that didn't, that did then lead to a really cute moment where, where mm-hmm. Seth and Cassie are sitting on top of a street sign on a, on the freeway talking. Yeah. Uh, and he talks about, you know, cause mm-hmm. Seth, Seth's thing is he likes to ask people what their favorite thing was in life. And for this little girl, it was pajamas. Plain on pajamas. Yeah. With, with feet. And I, I love, <laughs> I love Cassiel's, uh, response. That he's like pajamas. That's not the- bad. <laughs> Wait, the best part is they both have notebooks yeah. that they're making notes. <laughs> and I forgot about that. I knew they set out in the street sign and talked, but I'm like, they have notebooks. Yes. That would so be me. If I was an angel observer, like, I would have my notebook. <laughs> making all, notes. The, all the pages are dog-eared. It's, I'm writing in the margins. Yeah, oh yeah, all that. Yep. Um, all different colors, you know. Definitely. That made me giggle. So, Okay. I, after watching this movie, I jumped onto YouTube and I put in the search term of City of Angels as a horror movie because I wanted to see if anyone had done, because I've seen those before where somebody takes like an older, I want to say it was like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or something was one I saw um, where people will take a, a movie and redo the trailer for it or a trailer for it as a different style of movie. And I just thought, man, this would make for a perfect one of those. And sure enough, there was a couple of them um, Mm -hmm. where they did that because this movie really is filmed a lot like a psychological horror, like the, the, the framing and the colors and just all of that doesn't feel like a fantasy romance movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that because he's definitely a creeper and a stalker. (laughs) Yeah. Well, on top of like, you know, just giving Nicolas Cage face every once in a while where he gets the bug eyes going. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he is a creepy kind of stalker. But there's a moment in the library that was what made me think of it. And is when the two of them are talking and the shot goes up into that. There's that atrium and all of the levels of the library behind them. Um, and the shot is just all of the angels kind of stepping forward and, and watching them. Uh, Mm -hmm. from this and I was just like oh boy in a different context that's super creepy to just have them all like stay like like uh like it's some sort of an invasion oh okay I could see that yeah yeah like like stuff like that where I was like oh man you change the music in this and and give it like a dun type of moment and oh boy (laughs) boy that would that would creep me out and like the fact that because the angels move at the speed of thought there's a few different shots where um Seth will just sort of appear and so that could be played that same way. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just thought that was I, like, I got a kick out of that. Like this definitely could have been done, but, but the way it was shot again, like the lighting and the framing and everything is very almost horror movie. Like 
but then it's not that because of the way that the dialogue is is delivered, but the music and the ambiance that they create gives mm-hmm. you a different feel. So it's just it's that testament to how things can change just by changing the sound a little bit. You you change the music, give it some uh, minor keys, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you've got a totally different feel to this movie, and you're like gripping your chair, worried the whole time that Seth is uh, I- Seth is going to do something bad. I, I do love that scene too, where he's like, "Let's go somewhere else." <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, let's go somewhere we can be alone and actually talk. Yeah, and even like the the whole scene where they're chopping vegetables and he cuts through his hand and all that. Like, you change the pacing of that scene just slightly, and suddenly it's very, very different. Where he he can't be hurt, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And just and again, that kind of that emotionless reaction that he has. And even the first scene in the hallway where they meet, he's standing there, just like standing outside the room. She walks up and asks him if he's a visitor and who he's visiting. And he says it's her, right? He's there to visit her and asking her if she is um, having any, uh, what is it? Uh, I can't remember the word he uses, but it's like, are you in uh, distress? I think is what he says. Uh, And he calls her by her name. Uh, and then points at her her name tag, which we we later see just has her first initial on there. Like all of that in the right in a different context suddenly comes across really creepy. Or like, um, what is it? She says, "I wanted him to live," and uh, and his response is, "Well, he is just not the way you're thinking." And it's like, right. and then she says, "I don't believe in that." Yeah, and it's like again in a different context. That's super creepy line. In this, it's like it makes sense the way he would phrase it, right? Because he doesn't really have a frame of reference. So she, he just, the guy is still alive in, in, in the sense that angels understand, but humans don't. But it was just one of those moments where I'm like, oh man, you put a little musical sting in there and suddenly, I don't know if I, I like could, this movie. It could anymore. definitely be an, be an alien movie. Like, yeah, he's abducted him. <laughs> yeah, that would good work too. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was, I was going like more demon, but aliens really works. Um, oh, it's just, it's fun. I, I love stuff like that. I like playing around with ideas, uh, like that. Uh, but I take it from your talk that you really liked it. I'm glad. I did. I liked it more than I thought I would. It's not, I will say this isn't a movie I'm going to rush out to watch again, but I did not dislike it. There was no. things to latch onto with this movie. There's ideas in this movie that I thought was, I thought were really interesting. The whole free will and the fact that angels have, because Again, I come back to like Kevin Smith being one where angels in that universe don't have the free will and they don't, they can't like if, if in that universe, God says, decree something about the angels, then that's it for the angels. They have to do that. That's why there's the whole, the whole deal where they can't imbibe alcohol, right? Because God decreed they no longer could. So they have to just spit it out. Um, so I, I, I thought that was an interesting way to do that where angels have free will but the reason that not many of them do that isn't because they're not allowed to. They just they they have no frame of reference to do that. They don't understand what it's like to be human. They just observe them. But you'll get the occasional one who's like, boy, this is really interesting. I want to know more. And they want to explore that more. Um, and that sort of just wonderment of, of humans. And it makes sense if you spent that much time around humans every day, all day, hearing their thoughts and, and everything, you'd probably get curious about that. So Yeah, Nick Cage called Seth the rebel angel, and I'm like, yep. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> that, right. That fit Nick Cage, that fits him. Like <laughs> Nick would look at him that way. Like, okay, he's a rebel. But, oh, let's talk about the soundtrack. Yes. So I actually have the actual jewel case. <laughs> CD still of this from this movie. I that does not surprise me at all. In fact, I think more people owned the soundtrack to this than probably saw it, um, mm-hmm. because that soundtrack had the big ones being uh, Sarah McLaughlin uh, was on that, and mm-hmm. who else? Uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. Iris was like basically written for this movie. I think. Yes, it was. Yes. Um, and then uh, I loved. The Alanis Morissette song on yeah, the it was also credits. written for the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one was too. Oh, I did not know yes. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I really enjoy Alanis Morissette, and that song is like just such a dramatic, mm-hmm. uh, like 
strong song. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff on here. I mean, you've got. Uh, I thought the score was fine. Like the the actual movie score itself was nothing super memorable, but it it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to mold, you know, kind of fall into the background, um, and have more of your. Uh, I mean, there's uh, Paula Cole feeling love um, was there, uh, but but yeah, the big ones were Sarah McLaughlin, uh, which that song went on to become the sad the the sad dog song, mm. right? The, that's the one that was in the commercial. Yes. Um, the, the commercial that, uh, would be one of those where it would start to come on. You'd start to hear that song. You're like, nope, changing the channel. Yeah. Just going to show, <laughs> show me a bunch of sad, pep, uh, sad pets. Um, and then, uh, and then yeah, Iris, uh, being the other big one, this, this soundtrack, I mean, Iris was all over the radio, uh, mm-hmm. at the time. And, and so uh, was, actually, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, so, so was uninvited. Um, mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette was all over uh, radio. Yeah, they were up and coming. Yeah, the marketing for that was really good. Actually, I read in the Wikipedia that um, Uninvited got leaked on the internet. Oh, really? And forced the studio to release the soundtrack to the radio stations before the album was released because they didn't want them playing that low poly uh, leaked version out. They wanted them to have the actual version. But yeah, it was. Oh, wow. She was picked. They were marketed for, it. and also has um U two, mm-hmm. has U two and Peter Gabriel, yes. which that oh. it's called I grieve, and after like, oh, that's what gets me to where I want to cry. Like, so it's very powerful. I love Peter Gabriel. I have loved yes. Peter Gabriel since I was a kid. He's great, and to use I grieve. In that moment, the right after Maggie died, that is that is some powerful use of music, um, mm-hmm. and I, I definitely liked that. Uh, that was good. That that got the point across really, really well. It's it's interesting because this is a slow paced movie, a very I, I would I would uh, generously call it deliberately paced um, mm-hmm. because it's not there's not action in it. There's not like this. Uh, there's not any tension even really like the closest we get is that scene where uh, she confronts him with the knife um, after watching him, uh-huh. you know, cut his thumb, she gets upset, but then that's it. Like the next, the next time they interact is her still wanting him to be around and him like, cause there's that scene where she, she's at the um, she's at her house and her dog starts barking and she goes in the other room and like the windows open and when she walks up the stairs and then takes her robe off and Seth comes up behind her, but he's, he's there, but he's not there. Um, like that all happened after they had their confrontation. Right. But you need the confrontation because, and that was the other thing is that she tells him to get out. She's covering her face and she opens her eyes real quick and he's just gone. Yeah. Cause that's him trying to tell her I'm not, human i am you know not like you and that but that you have to have that scene for her to understand it that he's around but she can't see him yeah like that that's only way for her to accept that he's an angel that he's another some sort of other being that she can't imagine and that's one thing that upsets me is that um she finds comfort in her pediatric doctor friend yeah right the baby that um it was a dumpster baby, they said. And I'm like, aw. And that scene in particular, she's finally able to sleep. She doesn't sleep all through the night. Like, he's able to comfort her and calm yeah. her. And she's able to get a full night's sleep. And she goes and tells her friend, well, the baby can't sleep. I'm like, I think the doctors would have noticed that. Like, if you, they, they're like, oh, we did all this work. We did this. I think it would notice his oxygen levels would have been low. Yeah, that felt like, a little... The movie didn't need that scene. That didn't that that Not scene really. didn't bring anything to this movie or the story that they were telling because we hadn't seen the baby for an over an hour of film. Right. By that point, it had been so long that I had forgotten about the baby. To be honest, like it wasn't like a, a plot point of any kind. So yeah, I'm with you on that because like those doctors would have noticed something 
being off with the baby. For yeah, not like, breathing. Yeah. Like he's the baby isn't sleeping. Did anyone check that? And then and the pediat- pediatrician's just like, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, you'd you'd have noticed at some point. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like she's like, because she puts the stethoscope up to his nose and she's oh yeah, that's right. And she bouts off a medical term, and I'm like, one, how did you instantly know that's what he has? Right. <laughs> Two, it's like you would have known because she talks about like they did ultrasounds, they've done x-rays, they've done all this like blood, they've done everything to figure out why he's so unsettled. And yeah. I'm like, you would have noticed that. Like, but that's when Jordan comes to propose to her. He's like, hey, that's a good call on the baby. And I think that's a moment when he realized, oh, like, because he, he's like, oh, you're a brilliant doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that it seemed like the catalyst for him to come propose to her. But it just that added to the awkwardness for me. Yeah. Like I say, you could have cut that mm-hmm. that scene with her out uh, and the baby, like, completely mm-hmm. out of the movie. Changes zero. Um, and I'd have been fine exactly. with that. I would have never noticed. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, I don't think this is a perfect movie and I definitely can understand the for people that didn't like it um like I get it I I do think that it was enjoyable um it did pretty well it had a 55 million dollar budget um worldwide was just shy of 200 million which yeah. in 1998 is not terrible like it was it it more than broke even although with the marketing it's hard mm-hmm. to tell but it was like 78 million in the US it was fine, um, and I did have a good time with it. Uh, I think that it it and shows what? it shows the range of Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. too. He doesn't just have to be somebody who can go silly or go way over the top or be the action guy. He can do something else as well, and this is a uh, a good show of that. And he had good actors around him too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was a this was a good movie. It's a good choice. Thank you, Kit. Uh, I appreciate You're it. welcome. I appreciate you bringing this here, and I always have fun having conversation with you, and so uh, that was great. And Cage of Palooza is, is super fun for me, and I like seeing the different forms of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, um, for sure. And I knew you'd love to see How did you think about her uh, doing surgery to Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> that was awesome. I love, I love stuff like that in movies where doctors are throwing music on and playing that in the OR. Uh, I, I assume that maybe that's like real life, but uh, I, I just love that kind of stuff. And yeah, playing, I mean, if you're going to do surgery to somebody, let it be Hendrix. I'm well, I mean, that. if you're in there for five hours. Yeah, that's true. The, the comedy of like, uh-oh, like they're closing them up. I've lost a sponge. <laughs> that was, that That did uh, make me chuckle too, where he's, everybody's diving around looking for it. Yeah, that was good. Um. So thank you, Kit, for being on. This was when when thank I knew you for having me. Yeah, when I knew that we had talked about this last year, you had brought up uh, this movie, and so when we got closer and closer to August, I'm like, ooh, I got to make sure I get a hold of Kit, figure out what week <laughs> to do this movie. Yes, in. thank you. So this was super super fun. Um, Cage of Palooza for the fourth year in a row. It's just crazy to me that we've been doing it for that long. Continues on uh, next week. I've got Dennis from Botched. Uh, the Botched podcast is coming back. And we are going to watch a brand new Nicolas Cage movie. That's right. We're watching The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I haven't seen it yet. He hasn't seen it. Uh, I am very, very intrigued to watch this movie. It came out just this year. And okay, it, I was going to say, I've never heard of that one. It's brand new, starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. Uh, it also has Pedro Pascal in it. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see it. It's brand new, very uh, supposedly very meta. Um, I remember seeing the trailers for it thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. And then, and then thinking to myself, but I can't go see it in the theater. I've got to wait. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I'm going to get to watch that next week with Dennis and I can't wait. I am looking forward to that. Kit, where can people find you if they want to see you or hear you some more? Cause I know you, um, you get onto Twitch every once in a while, right? Every once in a while, but, uh, usually I'm in Brian Dunaway's Discord. I, we hang out. We we race on Sundays. Yep. <laughs> Playing some Forza or Fall Guys. So. And and yeah. you help. Uh, you sometimes help Brian Dunaway on his streams too, don't you? Yes. 
And for those of you that don't know, Brian Dunaway, the Brian Dunaway or Mission Deep, uh, is a great guy and uh, a fun fun person to watch on stream with his gaming and uh, retro gaming. He's been doing recently uh, a lot of that, so that's cool. And Kit can be found there and in the Discord. And Kit, thank you so much for being here this week. This was super fun. Thank you. Um, oh, I have a couple of clips I wanted to play. Uh, oh, yes. I, I almost forgot about them. Uh, let's see. There was this one I just labeled as impossible. So here's that. It's impossible. Some things are true whether you believe them or not. Oh, right. Okay. That was a, a callback to a line that was um, used earlier in the movie. Uh, yeah, and, it was Nathaniel Messenger talking to Seth. Yeah, Messenger talking to Seth. Seth had said that to Maggie earlier in the movie, so then Messenger says it back to Seth with a little wink. Uh, I liked that. Um the other one that I caught was when uh, when he was talking about, I think it was the little girl, um, and asking something to do with, uh, was it, uh, oh, asking if, uh, she was asking if angels had wings and why they didn't have wings and, and all of that, and I just liked this line. She said, what good would wings be if you couldn't feel the wind on your face? And I was like, oh, that's... That's cute. Mm-hmm. I like that one. So that, that was a couple of clips from the movie. The, it's funny. This was a, not a movie with a lot of clips, a lot of clippable audio, partly because it was all, so much of it was so quietly delivered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I'm surprised you didn't catch the line of, I can't hear that, but you can't feel this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought about it. Um, that's great. But yeah, so uh, so that's City of Angels. Um, th- we are, we are three-fifths of the way through Cage of Palooza 2022. So next week, like I said, is the unbearable weight of massive talent. It's going to be fun. Uh, and I think that one's streaming might only be rentable right now. But uh, yeah, uh, everyone that I've talked to that has seen it has loved it. So I can't wait. Can't wait to watch that one. Um, and then after that, uh, for the final week, uh, I'm watching Pig with uh, David Luzader. We're going to watch that one. That one oh, just okay. came out last year. Uh, another one that I've heard, I heard good things about that one. Yeah, so have I. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's the next couple of weeks uh, as we as we roll along. Cage of Palooza 2022 on Wait You Haven't Seen. I uh, can't wait for it. So Kit, thank you again so much for being here. Uh, and uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. Yes, always a pleasure. All right. For everyone else out there, remember to enjoy your movies. Um, and let's be excellent to each other. Yeah.